Hello, and welcome to Driverless. I'm your host, Zach Adams. On today's episode, Todd Northman joins me to dive into the recent earnings reports and calls of some of the most prominent AV companies. And we talk about what the results mean for the future. Todd also gives us some insight into two under-the-radar deals that occurred. And then he highlights January and February of 2019 as the months of corporate superstar lawyers. As always, you can reach out to us at at underscore driverless on Twitter or by email at driverless at tuckerellis.com. For now, let's get rolling on to today's episode of Driverless. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach. Happy to be here. This is really the most exciting episode we've had to date. I'm really looking forward to diving in. Yeah, so today we're going to you know, talk a little bit about the earnings reports that we got from uh, quarter four of 2018. And I think there's no better place to start given uh, our history and you know, one of our previous podcasts about the GM plants, closings, and layoffs. I think we should start with GM. Uh, what did you kind of see from their, the results that made you kind of, uh, I don't know, sparked your interest? Exactly where I wanted to start, Zach. I, it was episode five on December 3rd where we covered GM last. And what really struck me was, as we forecast, how much Mary Dara hit this out of the park. She really laid the groundwork for us to understand what was going to come both with GM GM crews, and the auto industry generally. So we're seeing those signals broadly. You know, the overall results for GM were strong, not quite as strong as last year, but really a very nice profit, which, as we can appreciate, sharpens the pain for all those displaced workers. But it did make the point, as we saw, they attributed more than a $700 million loss to their efforts in autonomous vehicles in 2018. Now, I'd quibble with the word loss. I think it was just an investment, but really the forecast of a billion dollars in 2019 lets us see why Mary Vera made that restructuring that she did, notwithstanding the very strong profits we saw. No, I think that's absolutely right. Um, I, I would also agree that there is some nuance to the word loss, right? This isn't the same kind of loss that we're used to in the auto industry, which is you know, depreciation, um, capital expenses, worker salaries, things like that. I mean, for the most part, we can expect that these, um, these expenses that they're paying into the autonomous sector with their you know, subsidiary GM crews uh, are indeed an investment. And that the hope is, I mean, we, you know, we've seen all kinds of different estimates of what the AV space is going to be worth. Uh, you know, in a decade, two decades, you know, whatever. And uh, let's be real, 700 million is a drop in the bucket compared to what we think this industry could be worth uh, in not only the near term, but in the long term. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I, you know, one of the other things that came out of the annual report is we got to see some real detail on a couple different initiatives, which were fascinating. One was fascinating to me as a corporate lawyer. I should sort of qualify that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really look at this and, you know, what I'm hoping is in 15 years, we're going to be telling tales about the heroic work that corporate lawyers have done shaping the AD industry. <laughs> and what a thought. when we tell those tales, yeah, exactly. We're going to point to this first week of February as really laying the groundwork for a lot of what's going to come here in the industry. And let's start with those restricted stock units. There was a headline number that attributed the new GM crew's president as being possibly earning up to almost $200 million in compensation. 
as a result of these RSUs. I can't figure out where the reporters got that. It tended to be foreign, somewhat sketchy journalists. The number I see is still very rich, but it's $25 million, potentially, assuming GM Cruz proves out the way it's forecast that he would receive. And what's interesting about that number is it parallels the themes we've been seeing, which is this is really a war for talent. And so to attract the best talent in this industry, GM is needing to pay like a tech company because those are the folks that they're trying to attract here, albeit they got their new president from GM itself, but they have to compensate him and then his hired employees as if they were employed by a tech company. So that RSU went under the radar other than that, as I say, almost fake news headline of $200 million worth of compensation. But it was a really interesting initiative that we got to see some pretty good detail on for that reason. And then the other thing that really struck me with this is that it parallels what we saw Ford do with Argo AI and their management team, where Ford has a 51% ownership interest in Argo AI, but has left the balance of that equity out there, both for employee incentive, but then also to bring in other investors. And so that's really the second part of this annual report that we got to see, is we got the purchase and sale agreement for the Honda investment in GM Cruise. And I use that word investment advisedly because it had not been widely reported. What we saw was a very large number for Honda, $2.75 billion is what was reported. But as we look at the detail, it was actually a purchase of $750 million, still a nice number, but nowhere near $2.75 billion. And then a commitment to invest $2 billion over the next 12 years. In return for that three quarters of a billion dollars. They got a 5.7% stake in GM Cruise. That has to be contrasted with what we saw from SoftBank earlier in 2018. It was late summer. I think it was uh, last day of May 2018, where we saw the announcement of the SoftBank investment into GM Cruise. That was another fancy number, but it was $2.25 billion for a 19.6% stake. So you can see the numbers here in terms of deemed valuation, there's something different going on here. It looks like SoftBank got a terrific deal, which is really no surprise if you know how the Vision Fund operates. They made some great investments. They don't shy away from paying big prices. But the other part of that SoftBank investment through its vision fund was that GM pledged to invest another $1.1 billion of its own money in GM Cruise. So they've gone from acquiring GM Cruise for a billion dollars in 2016 to committing to invest another $1.1 billion and attracting the investment from both Honda and SoftBank into GM Cruise. And you can see it's actually starting to look very well capitalized with a very nice valuation. No, I mean, that's right. And I, there, there are two points I kind of want to you know, touch on in what you said. First, kind of get back to, you know, these salaries looking more like tech company salaries instead of auto worker salaries and CEO salary, you know. Let's be real. I mean, those fake news articles about, you know, it being worth 250 million, 
if someday the stock incentives that he got, you know, this year, right, are going to be worth 250 million, that's a great sign for GM Cruz. I think they will be thrilled if someday those stock options, you know, reach their potential of 250 million. Um, but I think you're right. I, I didn't see anything that would suggest that his current take-home pay this year is going to you know, be that high. Um, and, and the second point, and I think you're right, is we're talking about GM Cruz's, you know, being acquired by GM initially and, and kind of being brought into the fold and, you know, GM not only investing their money, but then opening up to other investors to kind of contribute to that and to continue the development of uh, GM Cruz. I think one thing that really stands out from all this is, you know, you're seeing, and you were just talking about how, you know, based on certain investments, GM has agreed to invest more and more money, you know, into uh, cruise. And I think, it, I mean, not to be glib about it, but it's kind of like, well, duh, you know, I mean, I think GM is very aware that cruise someday is going to, you know, headline their earnings reports in a way that, Maybe it doesn't right now, but I, I think they know this is the future for not just them, but for so many others. And it's kind of funny to hear, um, you know, people talk about how, okay, well, based on this investment, GM agreed to invest X amount of money. You know, for me, it's kind of like, well, are you saying if that investment didn't happen, GM wouldn't invest that money? I mean, they know where their, where their end goal is. And, you know, actually no one knows better than they do uh, because they're looking at their own numbers. They're looking at their own internal projections. And I, but I do think it is funny, and it's to your point of corporate lawyers saving the day. I mean, it is a point uh, worth noting that these corporate lawyers, they've been around the block, and they know including that language is good because it shows a continued commitment, and it puts dollar numbers down. But at the same time, I mean, we can say, even for the layperson that's looking at this, well, of course GM is investing in crews, and of course they're pumping in you know, that much money because this is where their company is headed. And I think to your point of um, CEO Mary Barra's you know, vision for where this is all going, I mean, I think nothing in her scores that more than her continued investment and her continued turnaround of you know, a company that, quite frankly, wasn't really on the cutting edge uh, a couple of years ago. And now, I mean, I think I think God put them right up there with you know, Waymo and their parent Google and Ford and Argo AI as you know, a great collaboration and, and a company that we certainly see as part of the future of mobility. Um, and, and that's, I think, really important here to underscore, especially considering um, kind of the bad publicity they took, you know, last year, uh, whenever they started these layoffs and this restructuring. Right. No, I, and just to underscore that point, and again, to give Mary Barra a little bit more cover, she was just a lot more forward with describing what was happening across the industry. And as different companies publicly traded auto companies have reported their sales in 2018 consistently across Europe, Japan, China, United States. What we've seen is the sale of sedans has plummeted, with the exception, of course, of Tesla and that Model 3, which shows very strong earnings. And I don't know if you want us to get into Tesla right now, but there might be a natural pivot. Well, before we jump into Tesla, which I obviously want to cover, I actually want to hit one more point uh, that you just touched on with, you know, the sedans plummeting. One of the things I thought was interesting with the GM's earnings is what you saw were these, the, the truck sales in North America specifically, really taking a prominent role in, in GM's portfolio. And one of the things that I think, one of the things I think that's really interesting is you know, GM's able to straddle this line of simultaneously investing their future through crews and, you know, creating an inventory um, 
that's a little that gets rid of some of the fat and we saw that in the beginning you know last year where we were cutting six different models from their portfolio but now i think with truck sales increasing it's a little interesting that you know we have yet to see um by one of the big auto manufacturers i know a company called rivian has already kind of done this but that ev you know pickup truck right the kind of what the tesla model 3 and model s did as far as taking a luxury car and making an electric car and keeping that status of cool i'm really interested to see um which which manufacturer and i know tesla's talked about doing this in the summer so again you know we'll talk about that in a second when we get to tesla but it'll be really interesting for me to see when we get the the full-size electric vehicle pickup truck that appeals to that same guy who wants that rugged truck with the towing capabilities and all that it's, it's interesting to note that how big of a role uh, the trucks play in GM's earnings right now, while they're also allowed to straddle the fence and kind of look to the future where I don't think they probably envision trucks as being as big of a part of their portfolio. Um, And I think that's really worth noting here. Oh, I agree. That's actually a really interesting point. And it sort of calls back our discussion in the CES episode where we talked about how as autonomous vehicles develop, as electric vehicles develop, it's really going to be a different form factor. And I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see because there is no reason based on the platform that we couldn't have these vehicles be developed as electric, but we haven't seen it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, now to your point of a, a good pivot, you know, Tesla talked about how, you know, they're considering uh, coming out with their own uh <laughs> electric vehicle, you know, pickup truck this summer uh, to compete with, like I said, Rivian and there's other companies out there that are starting to look at this space. So, you know, let's talk about Tesla at large. Uh, What did you see from Tesla's earning report that kind of made you excited about the future of the company? Well, I mean, I was very impressed that the sales of the Model 3 continue to be strong, that they continue to project those costs coming down, not quite to the $35,000 sale number that we had been, I'll say air quotes, promised that I know a lot right. of for, but, you know, and a lot of what I'll call Elon math to get there with your different cost savings and, you know, different tax incentives and whatnot. But let's step back and appreciate what a phenomenal year Tesla had in 2018. And then really, and you have to dig into the earnings call transcript itself to really appreciate how much meat there was in that call from Elon about what it is they're projecting to the point of our podcast on autonomous vehicles and autopilot short of autonomy in the foreseeable future. But Elon really articulated very in some real detail where he sees this going and the future looks bright. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's funny that you were talking about the $35,000 uh, Model 3 number because I think, I mean, we all saw the headlines, right? Tesla you know, finally delivers on its promise of the $35,000 Model 3. Now, what they, what they may not say is, you know, that's after uh, federal tax incentives and projected gas savings. Um, so we're still not really there yet, but we are getting closer. And there's something to be said about that. And even if we see, you know, uh, the rollout of, of uh, you know, Tesla fan favorites, such as uh, there's dog mode coming in, sentry mode. And just, you know, how this company continues to define itself, not only by being on the cutting edge technologically, but also kind of being having this cult following. And I think that we really saw that. I mean, we're seeing that they're 
projecting this, you know, kind of cool factor that Apple was able to tap into with the iPhone and this kind of stat, this, this combination of status and niche. And I think, you know, you saw that you saw over 90,000 model threes getting delivered in the fourth quarter of 2018. I mean, that's unbelievable. And when we consider over 63,000 of those were specifically in North America, the demand is there and it's growing. And, and these numbers flesh out the kind of projected, uh, I think it was between 360 and 400,000 vehicles Tesla's planning to deliver in 2019. And you compare that to the uh, little under 250 they did in 2018. And I think you're absolutely right. The future's bright here. Um, and, and, you know, we can get into our safety concerns, you know, with autopilot, we can get into, you know, Elon's Twitter page and all that. But you have to admit that, I mean, what this company is doing is revolutionizing the space. And, and certainly their profitability and where their earnings are headed make them one of the companies, I mean, and we you know, could have probably said this last year and the year before, but they're certainly one of the companies to watch. I mean, they, uh, you know, they are taking something that didn't exist, creating a market for it, and now they're starting to deliver. And, uh, and that's really, really been fun to watch. And I'm really excited to kind of see where they go from here. Right. And they're making good money, which is the last point I wanted to make on Tesla itself was they've now done, again, we've got this theme of corporate lawyer and superhero. So one of the little noticed releases as part of the Tesla earnings report was they made a $218 million acquisition of a battery company, Maxwell, which had been publicly traded on NASDAQ going back prior to the 2000 internet bubble collapse. And, you know, it is around the turn of the century. They had actually had about a $40 a share price as recently as 2010. They had share price of over 20 bucks a share. Tesla, it was trading around $3 a share. Tesla came in as of January 3rd and made an offer at 4.75 dollars a share and it looks like they're going to acquire this battery company just bolstering their strength already and that's interesting to me because they're now taking these earnings they've had solid sales for two straight quarters and they're now able to reinvest and if you think back to where we started 2018 where you just had all these folks who were projecting that you know they were going short tesla and then you still have a lot of shorts out there. Yeah, right? I was about to say, that hasn't changed. <laughs> right. But if you keep putting money in the bank and if you can start investing, because, you know, with this battery company investment, think about that. They were already the leader in the United States, at least. And we can footnote because there's some Chinese companies that are doing some terrific work here in Absolutely. the vehicle space. But, you know, we have to acknowledge that Tesla has a very strong foothold there. And then to double down and make that investment, pick it up at a very nice price. That's impressive. And, you know, I'm going to be watching what it is they do with that technology. You know, it's a little bit different. I think it's hydrogen cell that they use. So it's, it's pivoting, looking forward to the future for different ways to deploy this, but that's what a company that's making good money can do. And that's why I think Tesla is really here to stay. And you, you know, you touched on this, that they've been profitable now for two straight quarters. I mean, it's the first time in Tesla history. And now granted, it's not a long history, but it is something worth noting that all of a sudden we're starting to see this company kind of gain steam and the momentum isn't slowing. You know, it, it went from 
kind of the first quarter, you know, quarter three, whenever we saw profit, people were still kind of doubtful. Is this going to, you know, continue, whatever we'd seen in the past. But now, I mean, you've got two straight quarters. And, and again, that's only half a year. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate what that means, but you're starting to see kind of the fruition of all this, all these little pieces coming together. And I think you're right, you know, seeing them kind of reinvest those earnings and safeguard their already sizable lead over North American companies in this technology, it's impressive. And, and I think another thing that, that's worth noting, you know, in January, Tesla quietly, and which is shocking, I don't think those words have ever been said, right? Tesla quietly, uh, but Tesla, Tesla quietly laid off, you know, um, over half their employees at a, at a Vegas facility. And you didn't hear the outcry that you heard from GM. You didn't hear uh, different things like that. And I think what that means is, you know, not only does Tesla kind of, uh, are they established as this automaker, but they also don't have that legacy yet of, um, and we're so used to this company constantly pivoting different ways that whenever they make a move like this, it isn't seen as a, oh my God, Tesla, they've got to shutter the doors. They're losing steam. It's just, okay, you know, this is business as usual for Tesla. For better or worse, we're just used to such big headlines with them that this stuff doesn't really scare us, you know? Yeah, no, I, that's right. I think that's an interesting perspective. And you're right, they are an interesting blend then of sort of tech and auto in a way that gives them a little more freedom, less scrutiny. They don't have those legacy costs that Detroit has but they are taking on this very formidable challenge of building cars. And, you know, I, I get there are people with frustrations at getting their vehicle serviced. They have improved, you know, but Iran again on the earnings call acknowledged that that was an unforced error, that they should have foreseen the need to put more resources into that. And he committed to doing so. So, you know, again, it's this continual improvement. We saw that in the production line from third quarter to fourth quarter, it just got better. It didn't ramp up like a hockey stick, but they mm-hmm. also weren't the tent. No, I think that's right. And, and another thing, you know, to, to your point about Elon kind of trying to future-proof this company, uh, I thought another thing that was interesting is one of the things he said was their number one goal is to improve the servicing of their cars in the future. That, to me, sounds like someone who's pretty confident they're going to be an established, here-to-stay company, right? You don't really worry about servicing your cars if you're just worried about getting them on the streets and, you know, lead off with saying that's our number one goal in 2019. I mean, that, uh, that certainly is a vote of confidence. And, and if there's one thing we know, Elon is not short on confidence. <laughs> right. Although All right. He seems to earn it. What'd you say? He seems to earn it. That's true. Hey, that's absolutely true. He, so far, he's been delivering. Are there any other earning reports or any other, you know, results that you want to touch on uh, before we get out of here? Yeah, there are two uh, two deals that I really want to highlight. We'll be brief about it, but one we're going to need to explore a little more. A company out of both California and Pittsburgh called Aurora. The CEO is Chris Ermson, who was formerly of Waymo before it was even called Waymo. They have folks from Tesla, Uber. They got together and they formed this terrific um AV company that's trying to figure out how to put, they call it driver, together. But they had a Series B fundraising round. They raised $530 million for a $2.5 billion valuation. They were started in 2016. So 
let's just think about that number. They've already partnered with VW, Hyundai, and then a Chinese company called Titan, which is an electric vehicle company in China, native to China, that builds apparently just beautiful cars, at least from my read of their website. But I mean, that's just those facts alone are interesting, but sort of the cherry and whipped cream on top of that Sunday is the investors who took the lead on that Series B fundraising. And you've had Amazon making its first yeah. investment in AV. That's wow. absolutely right. Yeah, I was just saying, that is definitely the headline here, right? And it, you know, we'll have to watch what they're doing, but what a terrific partnership. You put Amazon together with the thoughtful approach that Aurora has taken and, you know, we can see who they bet on and that's going to be fascinating. And again, to return to some themes we've seen, it is, and we actually wrote an article in the fall where we talked about this and I'll put it in the show notes, but just talking about how the character of investments that companies have undertaken in the last year and a half has changed. And what you're seeing is a lot of these partnerships. I listed VW, Byton, Hyundai as part of the Aurora package, but we talked about it with GM Cruise and having Honda partner with them. So, you know, that's really one of the themes we're looking at here. And what we're noticing is everyone's looking for a dance partner because they realize it's too expensive and too uncertain to go it alone. Absolutely. And one of the things I actually want to touch on, and I'm so glad you brought up, uh, Aurora, because yeah, I think the Amazon investment, at least to me, I mean, and Aurora has been doing great work. Let's not, you know, discount them. Like you said, to take them from the company they were just a couple of years ago to the size of investment they're getting now, it's unbelievable. But I think really the headline there is Amazon has finally entered the market. And we've seen this before in other, you know, uh, industries. I mean, I think one of the more famous examples is when Amazon purchased Whole Foods, you know, other grocers, their you know prices dropped, like their you know, um, sorry, their stock dropped, and that was just a direct reaction to, well, man, if Amazon's in this space, we better worry or we better fear, you know, what they're going to do as far as the infrastructure they bring, the obvious capital uh, that they're bringing to the table, things like that. And here, you know, we're dealing with a little bigger players than grocers. I don't think that the car industry is going to scare uh, quite as easily, but I mean, I'm sure that, you know, everywhere from Alphabet to GM to all those other offices, this was something that was put on every, uh, you know, big decision makers um, news brief that, you know, Amazon's now in this. And we've seen before that whenever Amazon enters the space, they aren't looking to, uh, you know, just be part of it. They're not looking to kind of be, um, you know, uh, a bystander. They're looking to take it over. And we've seen this in the way that they've run, obviously, their online platform. We've seen how they built out uh, Amazon services. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of interesting to see them finally kind of, you know, not only sticking their toe in the water, but kind of, you know, starting to get in about waist deep. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they decide to fully dive in and be kick themselves. Their presence really, really felt. I think that a lot of people thought the last two big players to enter this market would be Amazon and Apple. And, uh, you know, now one of those is off the bench. So, I mean, it's a little more clarity, but it also, I'm sure, is going to lead to quite a shakeup in the industry. Right. And I think you did a very nice job. We could actually have you on the corporate side, Zach, but I mean, the way you <laughs> broke down 
what Amazon brings to the table is spot on. They are a different type of investor and their commitment to lowering prices and very long-term capital investments has got to scare folks because that is antithetical to the way that the car companies have historically operated and is a direct threat, as we mentioned before, to those legacy cost structures. So it'll be interesting to see where they where they take that, but that really tees up sort of the last investment I wanted to highlight, which is a commercial trunking company called Ike. Isn't a lot of news out there, but they had a series A raise where they got $52 million. This is a company that was in stealth mode until October, 2018. The company that took the lead in this fundraising is Fame Capital. And if that name rings a bell, it's because they were also a big investor in Lime, the scooters. So they are into this mobility space and they're putting money behind this Ike, which as I say, it's been in stealth mode, but a really interesting company. They've got a lot of smart people who are there. What they're pledged to do with this $52 million though, is to take it and grow from their 30 current employees and start adding personnel so they can do this. But what I love about it is they're in commercial trucking, which again, is something we've talked about and Tesla actually made that announcement within the last year, how they're trying to develop a commercial truck. But we've talked about the tremendous potential here for applications other than passenger vehicles or passenger trucks. So paying attention to Ike, given the pedigree of the the really bright people there and the money behind this is going to pay dividends. And if I can, just I wanted to point out one correction. I realized mm-hmm. I screwed my boots up and Maxwell doesn't do the hydrogen fuel cells. That was actually a joint venture between Honda and GM. That oh, okay. those sort of stood up. So mm-hmm. scratch that as to Maxwell being in hydrogen fuel cells. They may be, but that's not what my notes say. Got it. Okay. Well, and you know, one of the things I want to touch on with Ike that before we get out of here, and I, and I actually didn't know that Bain was behind the, the Lime scooters. I mean, that's, that's interesting to know they were in that space as well. Uh, I think it's interesting though that Ike is, you know, gaining funny and things after, you know, last, it was just last year we saw Uber kind of close the doors on its self-driving truck technology, which I think we all thought was not only a natural place for kind of self-driving to really take off, but also a very profitable option uh, as far as, you know, kind of making yourself available on a as needed basis if you're Uber to, you know, transport and deliver things with these trucks. So very interesting to see a company like Uber back away from a space and then a much smaller company, but with albeit very smart investors and very smart people running it say, all right, well, if you're getting out of the space, that's just more room for us. You know, we're willing to take this challenge head on. And it is just another point of emphasis that you know, we're seeing so many different facets of this technology enter different parts of the mobility, uh, you know, sector and seeing certain companies say, this isn't for us, but other companies saying, well, it's definitely for us. And I just think it's so interesting to see the dynamics of these companies, almost like characters in a TV show or movie and, you know, play to their strengths or decide this isn't what I want whenever it might be just, you know, it might be as profitable as possible for another company to get in there. And, I think seeing a company like Ike that is smaller kind of pivot into this and be under the radar, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do because I think part of the problem Uber had in this sector was that they are such a visible company and they are a company that's, you know, 
highly scrutinized and highly watched. And maybe Ike is able to use its uh, anonymity to its advantage and to really make you know, the technology and the product great before uh, it starts getting that visibility and, and what does that kind of transform and do for its business. I think it'll be interesting to monitor. And I think it's really important to note that, uh, yeah, these investors that are behind this money, they've done this before. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they help uh, kind of navigate those hurdles that, uh, you know, Lime Scooters has obviously been going through uh, for at least a couple of years now. Yeah, no, that's right. So that's what I wanted to cover. Um, you know, as I say, I love this theme this week. I think there's a lot of great things happening out there. And I'm only half facetious when I say we've got corporate lawyers, superhero out there. <laughs> yeah, Todd. Well, this is uh, definitely the, the week and maybe even the month of the corporate super lawyers. So uh, enjoy as, as you know, our preeminent corporate lawyer specialist on the show. Enjoy it. All right. Soak it in. That'll do it for today's episode of Driverless. As always, you can reach out to us on Twitter at, at underscore driverless or email us at driverless at Thanks as always for listening and talk to you soon.